KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. My first practice round, I got paired with Lorena Ochoa. Thousands of people watching us. This is so cool. I was more of a fan than a competitor. But the first hole, the first day, I birdied, and I played early, so I was on the leaderboard for a while. Granted, I got worse and worse as the day went on, but just being there, it was such a cool experience. And our guest this week, Ashley Greer, who is the assistant pro at Overbrook Golf Club in Bryn Mawr, plays golf all over the country. And Ashley, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me here today. So as we are talking here, we're getting ready for the dead of winter approaching Thanksgiving, Christmas. What is your calendar like? What are you doing these days? So I'm pretty busy throughout the year. And I actually just mentioned last night that it's nice to have these next two months, November and December, kind of free just to catch up, sleep a little bit more, rest, uh, not have to practice and grind so hard. So these next two months, I don't have a whole lot going on golf wise. And then come September, I go to Florida do some golf schools down there, teach them, and start competing in some events down there. So it sounds like in uh, in researching you, golf's been a, a part of your life uh, for a long time. You grew up in Maryland, correct? I did, yeah. And you actually were you you were six years old, and you lived on a golf center. Your your house was on a golf center because your dad bought a golf center. Am I correct with that? Correct. My dad's also a PGA professional, and when I was six, him and my mom bought a golf center that was literally in my front yard. So. We had a miniature golf, a driving range, batting cages, and 18-hole par-3 course. So it's just kind of what we did for fun. We went down there at some point every day and hit balls or played putt-putt or played par-3. So it's in our blood. Did you realize how unusual that was at that young age, or was that just, this is just life? I think it was just kind of life. I mean, I know it was cool. Like, our friends loved to come over. They probably like to use the batting cages more than the golf facilities. But it was just kind of what we knew and what we did. So as you're, obviously, it's such a big part of your childhood. When does it become something you think is going to be the direction that your life takes you? It really wasn't until after college. When I was in high school, I, not to almost my senior year, maybe my junior year, did I kind of realize, like, I want to go to a good school and play in college. And then really not until the summer after college. I had a really good summer playing-wise. I decided I'd go try Q school and just see if I... If I had a chance of making it, but not till I qualified that summer for um, through Q school did I realize, hey, I might have a shot at doing this for a living. And for people that aren't familiar, Q school is it's how you qualify to play professionally on the LPGA tour or Symmetra tour, which is a step below the LPGA tour. So you were in the what is it, was it the Futures tour? It was called Futures back when I played Futures tour. It's Symmetra tour now. It's the same thing as the Web.com, which is now the Corn Ferry tour for men. So you did that for a few years, correct? Yeah, about four years, four or five years. And what led to you changing course to be to looking into becoming, you know, a, a professional as far as, uh, you know, with a club and such? Um, you know, golf is hard. That's our favorite line <laughs> at work. And I love to play and compete, but it's hard to make it. Um, very, very few make it to the next level. I could have kept pushing it, but I was getting a little bit burnt out. Like I think a lot of people do that are going through the mini tours and was just kind of looking for something more stable. I had a good friend who was a great player in my area. He works at a club back in Hagerstown, and he convinced me in, to get into the PGA. I can still compete, can still be around the game that I love, but yet I still have a real job, and you know, I'm not playing full-time, so how I play doesn't depend on if I get a paycheck or not. 
Was that a, I mean, you mentioned you're almost getting burnt out, but was it a, a tough decision to, to come off of a, of a tour like that? I mean, was it something you really had to, you know, this is big. Yeah, it was extremely hard. I think I know for all of the women that I, I know have gave, gave it up, um, it's really tough. It's kind of all we've done. We played usually played college golf probably. Then you play for four or five, however many years you're going to play professionally. And every day you just get up, you go to the gym, you go to the golf course, you practice, you compete. And it's kind of all you know. So I remember thinking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Like, this is kind of all I've ever done. So having my friend talk to me about the PGA um, gave me a path that I could still do what I like to do and still compete. So you go to, to Q School for what was in the Futures Tour. To You enter, I've got it here, the, the PGA of America Club Pro Program. And you enter that in 2012. What is that? What, how does, is that something, is that like a course? Is that you have to play so much to get to a certain point? What is that? That's more actual school compared to Q school is your playing ability. So it's a a three year, um, actually, I guess a three level course. I think they give you six years to complete it. Um, There's one playing ability test that you have to take at the beginning. Um, If you play a lot, it shouldn't be too hard to get through. Um, but then you have six years to complete a three-level course. You have to go do some seminars in Florida at their headquarters, and then just a lot of bookwork and schooling. I feel like growing up with my dad in the golf business, I worked there a lot. I kind of knew a lot of the stuff, so I, I, I passed it pretty quickly um, to get my full PGA membership. Yeah, because I, I think you said if you got six years, you got the card in like May. Of, you were ready to go in 2014, yeah. so that that's really quick. So. When you get that card, what's next? What happens next? So that just it gives you the title of PGA professional. Um, it helps open up more doors to get a better job. It's like a certification. So if you have that certification, you're going to be more than likely chosen for a job over somebody else. Um, so I was working at a club back home in Hagerstown, and then um, a pro that I know at a really good club down in the D.C. area offered me a job, and so then I moved there for the next four years before I moved to the Philadelphia area. Actually, my current boss worked for my dad at my go- dad's golf center back when I was like 10 years old, so <laughs> he got him into golf. He's a great player, a great boss, and now I'm here years later working for him. It all comes full circle. Yeah. So as an assistant pro, before we talk about some of the competitions and stuff like that, what what is your day like? What are you at, at Overbrook? What's the, what's an average day? So Overbrook's a great place to work. I will say in general, as an assistant pro, we don't just play golf every day. I think a lot of people think you're a golf professional. You work at a club. You're there every day. All you do is play golf. Um, I'm lucky at my club that I do get to play a couple days a week, um, if possible, not always every week. Um, I work for uh, Eric Kennedy. He's, as I said, a great player. He really enjoys practicing. I enjoy practicing. So usually I go in in the mornings. Um, we have uh, a huge active golf membership. We have a lot of ladies on Tuesdays. We have the 18-hole ladies. Wednesdays, 9-hole ladies. We have a lot of men's events on the weekends. And so I'll go in, um, just kind of do daily you know, golf shop stuff, answer the phones, help the members, um, get our ladies out, get the tournaments out. I try to find like a half an hour, hour if I can, um, in between work to squeeze in some kind of practice. Often I'll go in on my day off and play just because I'm a big golf nerd and I love to play golf. And, you know, as a club pro, you, your main responsibility is your work. 
and then golf is a nice secondary bonus. So if you want to play at a high level, you definitely have to schedule in some time to practice and work on your own game. So along with the work at Overbrook, you are a member of the Philadelphia section PGA. So what what does that mean? So there's, I think there's 42 sections across the country. I might be wrong on that one, but it's close. It's basically they break up the country into regions into different sections of the PGA. And um, in our section, we have, it's a great, great section to belong to. There's probably more tournaments in this section than most. And almost every Monday we have a stroke play event. So it keeps me sharp. It keeps me competitive. We have a couple of big national events that, or events that qualify us for the national events. So even though I'm not on tour playing, I get to play a lot around here in hopes to qualify for some bigger national events. And you've played in some big events, and in a lot of events, you've been one of a handful of women competing against a ton of men. I think I saw one that there were 312 players in a field, and you were one of two women. What is that dynamic like? I think you hear that, and you're like, oh, wow. But then when you're playing, is golf just golf? And... Are, are you chasing the field? Do you feel like you're one of the only women? What's that dynamic like? When I first moved to a new area or play with a new group of men, it definitely can be a little bit intimidating. Nobody really knows you. It's I feel like they're all looking at me like, who's this random girl that's playing golf with us? Um, but the more I get accustomed to it, the easier it is. I know when I was in the D.C. area, that group of guys I got to know really well. Um, they, I, they were very friendly, very respectful of my game. I then moved to Philadelphia. I didn't know anybody. And again, I kind of was starting over. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but now that I've played with them enough, um, I won a section event, which I think really earned their respect of me. Um, and I've become friends with a lot of them. I know these big national events, it's, it's tough. The first national club pro I qualified for, um, I was one of two females. And I remember it was, I felt very out of place. A couple guys or fans, walk, I was walking up and they asked me if I was caddying for my husband or boyfriend. A lot of them bring their wives or girlfriends out to caddy. I was like, no, I'm one of the two females in the field. But they all were really excited to have me there. Um, this year I qualified for my second National Club Pro. I was one of four ladies that qualified. And I made, I made all three cuts to the last day. And I definitely felt more comfortable. You just have to be in that position more often. And when I'm on the golf course, I, I just golf is golf, like you said. Right. You just you got to play, but it's really your mindset you create. You create the intimidation, and if you can be confident and just play your game, it'll speak for itself. Kind of going along with that, I think you were the, if my info is correct, only the second woman to ever compete in the Philadelphia Open. Yes, that's correct. I mean, golf's golf and all that, but that's got to be pretty cool to have something like that to accomplish that to. Be, have that be on your resume. I mean, that's just got to be really wild. Yeah, it was awesome. It was cool just to kind of set the pace. And, you know, well, another female did it before, but being the second one, um, it's just a cool atmosphere. And, again, the more I play in these events with the men, I think I go into them a little bit intimidated, but then I get there and they're all, you know, really supportive and really happy that I'm out there. When you were younger, what allowed you – to first fall in love with golf. What was it? I mean, obviously it was all around you. Your dad played, but was there, what was it that really drew you to the sport that, you know, what, what are the first things you remember about it? 
I remember whenever we first moved there, um, my my dad and the, the guys that worked there ran a junior clinic in the summer, and I would see the kids come over every day, and I saw they had all these trophies lined up for the final day, and I like I really wanted to be a part of that. Like I wanted to win one of those trophies. And I think that just kind of spurred my love of the game. And I think the competition is what I really love. There's a lot of things about golf that are great, and I'm a very competitive person. And I think the fact that you can never – you can never beat the game, and you're always always trying to get better. And it's really, really hard to win. You, you lose way more than you win. And so I just think that drive, the competition, is what I love the most about the game. So you're getting ready for a tournament. How do you, do you have a routine that you go through as far as not so much, or I guess maybe the work at the golf club might be part of it, but how do you prepare? You're, you're, Starting a big tournament on Monday, and today's Thursday. How are you getting ready? Uh, I'll definitely practice. Like I like, I'm a, I love to practice. I think growing up within my front yard, it's just part of my daily routine. Um, but I also feel like I get more out of being on the golf course and playing on the golf course. You can only hit so many balls, but it doesn't simulate the on-course conditions. Um, so for me, I feel I try to, if I have four days to an event, at least play two of those days. And then I also try to do some mental practice. Um, golf is an extremely mental sport. You can be the best out there, but if you can't manage your emotions in the golf course, it's tough, and I've learned that over and over through experience. So I try to play the course in my mind ahead of time and just get some positive thoughts going so I go into the event confident. Now, did I read that when you played in high school, you were the only girl on the boys' team? Is that correct? I was, yeah. I think I might have been the only girl in the county, except for my sisters who came up behind me. But golf wasn't that big where I grew up for for girls. And so I did. I played on the boys' team. Kind of got used to playing with the guys from a young age just from that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Does that kind of, I don't want to say set the foundation because I think the foundation was set, but I would imagine that kind of helped accelerate you for getting used to you know, some of the things that you might have to deal with and stuff like that uh, for, for your pro career. Yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, it's definitely a different um, dynamic when you're playing with the guys versus the ladies. So growing up there, even the guys that worked for my dad, you know, they were really the only ones that I knew who golfed. So when I was younger, they took me to the golf course, and we used to play games or you know, we would play for 10 or $20 or something just to keep it interesting. And even after high school, the club, the local full-size golf club in town, um, Beaver Creek Country Club. They had a lot of great players there, and I used to go over with them and play with them, and they all like to, you know, have a good game or something just to keep you motivated. So just, I think, growing up, I just kind of learned how to hang with the guys and play with the guys. Do you have, have there been any incidents of stuff that makes you roll your eyes that people say when you're one of a handful of women playing with men and stuff like that? Or for the most part, is it, is it positive or people don't even notice they're just enjoying the golf? I think for the most part it's positive. Um, I think they definitely notice when it's all men and one or two females, you know, we stand out. Um, just a funny story. It didn't happen to me, but at the National Club Pro this year, my other friend, um, she we get a shuttle in between holes, and she hopped on the shuttle, and the, the volunteer was like, what are you doing here? You don't want to be here. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I know – you girls, you'd rather be down shopping at the Belk or whatever. She goes, I'm playing in the field. He goes, oh. He's like, I thought you were just out here spectating. So, you know, you get a few comments like that, and it's funny after the fact. But I think for the most part, at least now in the last few years, um, 
the men are all pretty supportive. And now we have Susie Whaley, who's the first female president of the PGA. Um, last year, she got inducted. So having her as a great mentor and role model um, for the, the PGA. What is your focus of your game these days? Obviously, you're playing, you're always trying to get better, but are there certain aspects, certain facets that you're really focused on at this point in your career? This past year, I really worked a lot on picking up more distance. Everybody in the game now, the younger players are getting stronger and longer and faster. And, you know, I've never been super short, but I could definitely gain some yardage and it always helps hit the ball farther. So I focus a lot on trying to get some more distance and then my short game as well. You can't score if you can't make a putt. So I, I try to really focus on putting and getting more distance. When you let's go back to when you were on the Futures Tour, is that sort of like is it kind of set up like the the LPGA Tour, the PGA Tour, with the idea that basically every week there's a tournament and you've got to take part in X amount of tournaments to to stay qualified, stuff like that. Yeah, pretty much. I think we'd play maybe four or five in a row. Uh, then we get a week or so off, and then four or five in a row. And yeah, the goal was to get as many points um, or money as you could to be top of the money list. And that's how you got your card to move on to the LPJ Tour. But yeah, it was a very similar path. Great uh, way to learn to get into the LPGA. Great competition. Financially, though, is it tough? Because I think people see these big purses at the top levels and they watch the Masters and stuff like that, and they think every golfer's swimming in money. But it's it's not a cheap sport to be good at because of practice time and stuff like that. When you're on a tour like that, is it a, a can it be a financial crunch sometimes? It's definitely tough. Golf, uh, the golf pro career is not as glamorous as everybody thinks. Um, if you're in the top. 50 or 100 of the PGA Tour, maybe the top 50 in the LPGA Tour, yeah, you're probably doing okay. But everybody else, even the people that are lower on the PGA Tour money list, the, the ladies that are lower on the LPGA Tour money list, and especially, you know, the Futures, Symmetra, Corn Ferry Tour players, you're kind of living week to week. You're trying to stay as cheap as possible. You're not going out to fancy restaurants. I know I did a lot of host housing. They offer that through the years, which was huge. I probably couldn't have afforded to play if it wasn't for that. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not the glamorous life, and we're not living it up large um, until you make it to the top. Does that add another level of pressure, though, to the idea that you're in a tournament this weekend where if I don't do well, you know, I've got bills to pay. This is going to be tough. Does it add something that maybe people don't think is is part of the – the mindset when you're when you're doing that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially if you don't have sponsors and you haven't been playing very well, you sometimes you're living week to week, and if you don't play well enough to cash a check, you may not be able to pay for the next event. So um, at that level, it's it's definitely weighs on your mind when you're out there playing. Do you watch a lot of golf? I do. In the summer, I'm kind of busy, but uh, I love watching it in the off-season in the winter. Um I feel like if you're not a golfer, you may not think it's exciting, but I like Sunday golf. I like to see how they handle the competition coming down the stretch when they're nervous and see who can pull through. Are you able to watch it for enjoyment? And what I say is not watch it and say, oh, why are they using a three iron here? Oh, why why are they laying up? Why Are you able to just kind of unwind with it and enjoy it for the sport, or are you constantly kind of putting yourself in situations and how you would approach stuff and, and stuff like that? 
No, I think I definitely just watch it as a sports fan. I don't think I ever really analyze what they're doing or why they're laying up. Um, occasionally, you know, maybe like if it's kind of they had the lead or it's maybe a weird decision, might be like why why they choose that option. But no, for the most part, I just I'm a fan of it. Like to watch it for the competition and for the sport. Who are some of the the people you you enjoy watching play? And I grew up when Tiger Woods was huge, so I always love watching Tiger Woods, what he's done for the game, and what he could always pull off under pressure was amazing. And now there's so many great um, young guys that any week almost anyone can win. So it's almost hard to pick a favorite. But um, it's just it's great to see where golf is right now. There's so many great players, even on the LPJ Tour. There's so many great young players that are playing well. So it's, it's fun to watch all around. And I say this as a as a layman. I almost feel like women's golf got more coverage 20 years ago than it does now. I feel like it's one of the few women's sports that, and when I say coverage, I mean television and media, stuff like that. Am I crazy? Is there something to that? What What do you think as someone who's obviously so involved? Um, I think it still gets coverage. Obviously, I feel like almost any sport, the, the men are going to get more coverage. Um, I think media-wise, the women on the LPJ do a great job with social media, engaging the fans. They almost have to to get the audience. Um, but you're always going to have, you know, it's always going to be more male-oriented. We actually had a, a special Tuesday. It's funny that you asked. Um, I competed in the PGA Women's Cup. It was the first one ever. And the Men's PGA Cup was three weeks prior to us, and they did a lot of filming and coverage and they had this great special they were going to air on Tuesday. We were all excited. And of the 60 minutes, the women got three minutes. So that was a little bit disappointing. But um, I think for the most part, they get – I don't know if they get less than they do 20 years ago, but it's never going to be as equal as the men get. So how many – ballpark, how many tournaments do you play a year? Or does it vary depending um, upon – it varies, but I would say that lately, now that I've been up in the Philadelphia area, they have a lot of events for us to play in. And then again, I saw some national events and qualifiers. I'm going to go with 40, give or take. Is it hard to have the same mindset for all of them? Because that's a lot. And to be, you know, peak mental shape for all of them, it's tough. Do you? How tough is it, I guess I should say, to be, you know, at your at your best for all of them? It's really hard, and I think it's almost impossible because there's definitely events that mean more, that you want to win more. Maybe there's a bigger purse. Maybe it qualifies you for a national event. And there's some events that I just play in that are they're more low-key. Um, yes, they're still important, um, but it's hard to get yourself that amped up every week. That's why the the guys on the PGA Tour and the ladies in the LPGA Tour take weeks off after they've had a bunch in a row because it's such a mental grind, and you got to be ready to play every event every day. And it's it's really really hard to get amped up that much that you need to be for every event. So it's it's hard to have the same grind and mentality. As you look at your career to this point, if I tell if I ask you what are some of your favorite memories, what are the first couple of things that that come to mind the first thing that pops out would be back in 2007 I had just turned professional and I qualified for the U.S. Open and I, I was totally out of my element and it was 
the coolest thing ever. And it was at Pine Needles in Pinehurst. And my dad, he was kind of always caddy for me in junior stuff. He worked there probably 20 years ago and hadn't been back since. And so he was on my bag. My first practice round, I got paired with Lorena Ochoa. Thousands of people watching us. I was like, this is so cool. I was more of a fan than a competitor. Um, But the first hole, the first day, I birdied, and I played early. So I was on the leaderboard for a while. Granted, I got worse and worse as the day went on. But just being there, having hit my dad in the bag, my family there, it was such a cool experience. And then the other cool thing happened about three weeks ago. Probably the coolest thing in my career that I've done was I was a member of the Women's PGA Cup. It was the first one ever. So I was on the inaugural team. There were five of us that had qualified to represent Team USA. We had Susie Whaley, our PGA president, as our captain. And we were treated, it was like we were on the Solheim Cup or Ryder Cup. And that whole week was just such a cool experience that I'll never forget. With the U.S. Open experience, how long did it take? I mean, you talk about cool leaderboard and all. How long did it take to settle in? Like, oh my gosh, I got to do this or I'm, or I'm getting to do that. Because I would imagine it was kind of going a million miles and a minute in the moment. I remember that I qualified. It was 36 holes. I got done at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. I think I had to drive. This is back when I was on the Sumatra Tour, Futures Tour. I think I had to drive like six hours to the next event. And I just got in the car and drove. And I was so amped up and so excited and had so many calls that my mind, like you said, was just going. So I got there, no problem. And the next few days, it felt like I had won the event just by getting there. I mean, I just turned pro. I was young. I never did anything like this before. And this is why you play golf and what you dream of if playing in the U.S. Open. So I kind of took it all in that week. I was excited just to be there. I didn't put too much pressure on myself and just enjoyed the moment. Ashley Greer, thanks so much for coming in. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. And that will do it for this week's show. One on One is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Want to thank Ashley Greer for being our guest this week. You can follow Ashley on twitter at ashley greer golf my name is matt leon come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about